Good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? Happy Easter, he is risen. Oh, good. I have people that are awake. Let's try that again. Happy Easter, he is risen. That's right. It's great to see Jacob be baptized today as we celebrate Easter. Did you know that this year Easter and Passover actually fall on the same weekend? And that it is something that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but that we're, the, the Jewish holiday of Passover has happened, started on Friday, the same time that we started our, our Good Friday service. And so that is something that is to be celebrated as well. So today, as we celebrate Easter, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles we would love to gift you. Um, and so if you don't have your Bibles, we have some Bibles on your way out. Um, that they're for you to take home. They're, they're gifts from our church to you. But even as Jacob gave his testimony today, I felt like, you know what? He could just preach for me. There's so many things that he, he, he said that I just feel like you're just taking words out of my sermon here, so you might as well just preach the rest of the sermon and let me, let me have a day off. But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, I preach to you which you receive and which you stand and by which you are saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believe in vain. For I delivered you to you as of first importance what I also receive. That is that Christ died for our sin in accordance with scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So Paul gives us this glorious description of the importance of the resurrection the resurrection gospel of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is this. I want to remind you, in case you forget what you have been given in Christ, I want you to know that there is nothing that is more important in all of life than this message of Jesus. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. That today we come to celebrate the resurrection. Lord, may you remind us of this good news, this gospel that you have given us. That it is a gift that you've given us. And may, may we, as we look into the scripture today, may you remind us that this is what we live through every single day. That is a resurrection gospel that gives us life. So Lord, as we celebrate your resurrection as a church, may you remind us of how important that is and how it plays in our everyday life. So Lord, we worship you, we give our blessing to you, and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians 15, 
this chapter is not to be distanced, it's not abstract or impersonal theology. First Corinthians, the entire letter, letter of First Corinthians actually is about what it means to live every day in light of the gospel of Jesus. And what Paul does throughout the, this, these chapters of 1 Corinthians is he unpacks for us what it means to believe in the gospel. That faith is not just something that you do with your brain, but that faith is something that you do with your life. In other words, that our belief is not just something you think, but our belief is something that you live. So it's Paul's desire and his passion to lay out what it looks like to live the light of the gospel. Because he wants us to understand that you will never live out, that you will never live out the gospel or even find the gospel. If you're trying to find it in your marriage, your parenting, your leisure, your work, your finance, or even with your sexuality, you will never know what it means to live out the gospel if you don't understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Because what Paul is saying is that apart from the resurrection, our faith is useless. Without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity comes down to just being another set of beliefs, another set of philosophy. It is the resurrection that changes everything. So he wants you to understand the implications, the practical everyday living, the gospel of the resurrection. So let me take you to those first verses again. And I want to read the verse again one more time. It says like this. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul starts off with, now I would remind you. Now why would anybody take the time to actually say that? To say that I need to remind you of something as shocking and as miraculous as a resurrection. Why? You think something so powerful, so glorious, so miraculous, so unusual, that once you knew it, you would never forget it. That once you knew it, you would not need to be reminded of it and that you would be talking about it forever. That when you know something that has happened that is absolutely amazing, that you can't wait to talk about it, that you want to talk about it, and that it becomes the central center of who you are. You know, when you have a passion for something and when something hits you so hard, when you've experienced something that, that is life-changing, you go and tell everybody about it, right? You don't, you don't just tell everybody about it. You want everybody to jump on board with it because it's so amazing. So why is Paul saying, I want to remind you? Why is it necessary to, for Paul to say this? He says that it is my passion to remind you of this message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's not talking about the fact that 
in your theological system, you will forget that Jesus raised again. But what he's talking about is that in the way that you live your life, you would forget the power and the glory and the practicality of the resurrection. That sometimes we forget the resurrection gospel. That in the press of everyday life, in the press of marriage, in the press of parenting, the business of careers, the business of your weekly schedule, that you would forget who you are and that you would forget that you, what you have been given. That you would forget the amazing thing that has been done for you. That God actually took time to harness the forces of nature to control the events of human history so that at a certain time that his son would come and live a perfect life and die an acceptable death and rise again, conquering both sin and death. He did all of that for you so that every single thing and every single day of your life will be different. That what Jesus did on the cross and then when he raised from the dead that would radically change the way you think about your marriage, your parenting, that it would change the way that you think about your education, your finances, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if properly understood, is meant to change every single thing in your life. But it doesn't always, if we are to be honest. It's because we forget. We forget what we've been given. We forget what God has done for us. We forget that Jesus conquered death so that you would know life. Not just life, but eternal, abundant, satisfying life for here and for now. Every one of us is looking for a fulfilling life, right? Who's not looking for a fulfilling life here in this room? Every single one of us is looking for a fulfilling life. Here's the thing, if you're not looking at life through the resurrection, then you will look through your life through the culture. Here's what it will look like. If you look at life through the culture in your marriages, you will start to look towards your spouse. You would ask for your spouse to do everything they can to make you happy, to give you worth. And that burden that you place on that marriage will begin to suck the life out of your spouse and you will be disappointed because it will never work. It's a heavy burden on your spouse to be your Messiah because Jesus is your Messiah, not your spouse. As a parent, your children have been given to you to give you identity so many parents are trying to live through their children and you get an identity and reputation from your children, successes. You want your children to be little trophies, you polish them up because you think that gives, them more, that gives you worth. Listen, if you try to ask your children um, to give you your identity, it's going to fail. So many, of, so many parents are trying to, to, to live this life where their children are perfect and, and, and raise them up in, 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 in that regards because how they are reflect who we are. But listen, if you look for your identity in your children, all you're going to find is misery. Because if you don't realize that your children, at least not mine, my children don't get up in the morning and say, Daddy, how can I give you worth today? 
What could I do to give you a reason for living? Children never say that. Well, if yours do, congratulations. We are parenting little selfish beings that are full of themselves. And they actually don't care about your identity. If you start to look for meaning in your career to give you life, there are so many things in your career over which you have no control, and it's a very dangerous place to look for that identity. In this pandemic, how many of us have lost jobs because of the economy? A good friend of mine, who was the artistic director of a very well-known clothing brand, she's amazing at what she did and still amazing at what she does. But she lost her job because they just had to cut 120 people and her position was a position that needed to be cut because it was too expensive. So if you put your identity in your career, it could be lost just like that. Your possessions, can they give you life? Physical and inanimate things that have no ability whatsoever to give you life, can they do that? We keep adding to our possessions another purse, another pair of sneakers, another watch. These are my possessions. (laughs) Not my wife's. Can that give you contentment? Can that satisfy your heart? Listen, earthly, creative, physical things have no ability to give you life. Earth will never be your savior. It won't work. That's why it's so important, and that's why Paul, as he's looking at the Corinthian church, as he's looking at the church in Corinth, he sees people forgetting the gospel. And Paul is longing for his people to come to a place of joy and contentment and satisfaction of living daily in that resurrection gospel. So let's continue a little further. He says, now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are what? Being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Now listen to this. It says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So when Paul thinks about life, when he thinks about all the things that make up everyday life, the resurrection is a gift that we have received And by which you are being saved, what? Daily. It's a continuous act. Salvation is not a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing that actually happens every single day of your life. That's preaching the gospel to yourself. Jacob just said that in his testimony, to preach the gospel to yourself. Every day we are sinners and we do wrong things, but that every day there is grace and there is mercy that was poured out by Jesus through his death and resurrection. So hold on to that. When Paul says the most important thing to life in me, thing in life to me is the thing of first importance is the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Nothing is more important to me than this. Ask the people that are close to you this week, okay? Go home, ask the people that are close to you, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your family, your parents, your siblings, your roommates, your your best friend. Ask them this. Ask them, what is the thing that drives me most? And what is the thing that is most significant to me? And hear what they have to say. Paul is arguing that more, that more important than your marriage, more important than your parenting, more important than your career, more important than your education, more important than your gifts and abilities, more important than 
any of those things is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you call yourself a believer, a Christian, Paul is arguing that the thing that is most important is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the resurrection at its core, is the thing that you carry around that now makes sense out of life for you. Because the gospel must be and must be the means by which you understand life. You understand who you are and you understand why it is important. So let's read a little further. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that, what, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers, most of all who are still alive, some have fallen asleep, then they appeared to James, then to the apostle, last of all, to the untimely born, and he appeared also to me. He's, Paul says, here's the important message, are you listening? He doesn't talk about what you do for God, he talks about what God has done for you. The most humbling message of Christianity is that hope is never found in what you do. Hope is never found in your religious duties. Hope is only found in the radical things that God has done in his love for you. Every other religion tells you there are things that you can do to achieve acceptance with God. Every other religion tells you that there are things that you could do to achieve life. Every other religion says that there are things that you could do to find unity with God. But Paul says, no, the core of Christianity, the core message is that there is nothing that you can do. Nothing that you could ever do to achieve acceptance with God. There's nothing you could ever do to buy life. There's nothing you could ever do to find hope. God had to do the radical thing first by sending his son to earth to live a perfect, righteous life and then to send his son on the cross to die in your place. And finally, by raising him from the dead to conquer sin and death because there is no way for you to achieve acceptance with God or to know life Now, why is this true? This is the humbling message. Are you ready for this? Why is this true? The biggest problem in our life, the greatest danger in our life, the thing that we need to be rescued from is you. We talk about it's a sin, but who, who causes the sin? Who sins? Does God sin? No. You do. So who is God rescuing you from? Yourself. You need help. Now, I think this is probably true for most of us. We don't like it when someone tells us that you need help. But if someone points out our weakness, are you thankful? Most of us probably aren't. But the humbling message of the gospel is that everyone in this room is in desperate need of outside help. And there's no one in this room who is free of the need of the resurrection grace. There is no one in this room, no one on earth, who is free from the need of the resurrection grace. 
When you do something wrong, who do you blame? Where do you look for explanation? Do you see why this is important? This humbling message of the gospel, because you will never celebrate the good news of the resurrection unless you accept the bad news of why it is necessary. I need help. I, as a pastor, John standing up here as a man, I need help. I myself have not graduated from my need. If you ask Stephanie, she'll tell you every single thing that I probably need help with. My wife is very good at that. (laughs) Very good at that. My children are probably very good at that too. Judah always needs to remind me that I'm okay first. Well, as I end, I want to take you back to the first couple of verses to look at this. He says this, Now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, that I preach to you which you receive and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you, what? Hold fast. Hold fast. You see, there's a spiritual war that's constantly going. There's a spiritual war that's constantly going in our heart. It's a war for what will capture and control your heart. Everybody in this room is living between the already and the not yet. And here's what I'm going to say. Between the already and not yet is not peacetime. It's wartime. There's wars that's going on. It's fought on the turf of your heart, and it's fought for control of your soul. And the goal of that war, the core of that war, is what will rule your heart and control the way that you live your life. And Paul is saying, I want to remind you of what is truly important. I want to remind you of the humbling message of the intervention of the gospel so that you will hold fast to it, so that it would be the thing that rules your heart and sets the direction for the way that you have lived your life. That your marriage would be shaped by the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That your parenting would be shaped by the core message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That your finances would be shaped by the core of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That everything in your life will now be transformed because you're holding fast to the humbling message of the glorious intervention of Jesus Christ to deliver you what you cannot deliver for yourself. Good theology doesn't just define God. Good theology redefines who you are as a child of God. Good theology doesn't just change the way that you think. Good theology alters the way that you live. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a lifestyle that changes everything in your life. May we remember when we know what is important. May we accept this humbling message of the intervention of Jesus Christ and that we can hold fast to it in a way that rules our heart and shapes the way that we live our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the resurrection gospel. And Lord, as Paul reminded the Corinth church, may you remind Five Stones Church today. May you remind your your church that we live only through the resurrection. We live because of the resurrection. We live and have life Because you have raised from the dead and you have conquered death and life. 
So, Father God, as we go out today, Lord, may you remind us that every single thing, everything we do, everything that, that we live and breathe, everything that drives our passion, Lord, may we look at all of those things through the gospel lens of your resurrection today. So, Lord, we thank you. We give all praise and honor to who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In that song we sang, the stone is rolled away. And is there a stone in front of your heart? Does a stone need to be rolled away so that Jesus can come forth from your life? Pastor John talked about the practical nature of the gospel. Yes, it can be very conceptual, but it's very tangible because when he comes into your heart and he changes your affections, we're driven by feelings, right? We're a feeling people. When you have things in your heart, that's what moves you. And so when the risen Lord comes into your heart, he changes what you feel, what motivates you, and that turns into practical living. Is there a stone that's over your heart? Does it need to be rolled away? Lord Jesus, we look to you right now. We thank you, God, that as the angels rolled away the big stone, the scripture says it was extremely large, that no matter how big of a stone that's in our life, God, you can roll it away just like that. And so we ask, Lord God, that you would do that. Whether we know you or whether we're halfway in or whether we're full guns for you, Lord, we just want you to fill our hearts more and more. So if you're touched by the sermon today, if you're touched by the baptism, by the worship, and you want to say to Jesus, yeah, roll away the stone so that you can come forth from my life, then reach out to one of us as pastors or email us and say, I want to become a Christian and I want to be baptized like Jacob was today. God, we give you all praise and all glory. You are risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.